When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? It's not good, Jim. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. Uh, I, I, I guess if, um, you know, a lot of times the penultimate episode is like the most of a thing that a show tends to be. Like, it's, that certainly is the case for shows like The Wire, for Game of Thrones, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, that I, I should expect it just to be the biggest, dumbest action episode of all time. Um, and then that's what this delivers. Like, do you want to see action Elnor butchering Borg? And it's it's cool that he's butchering them because they're Borg. They, they're not people. Uh, do, <laughs> do you want to see Gerard, uh, 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 Rafi and Seven uh, tag team a bunch of Borg soldiers? Do you want to see... Um, Picard with the machine gun, you know, like it, everybody, everybody's got guns akimbo blasting this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but they completely, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta check your brain out. Um, because well, they're, they're trying to bring, they're trying to bring it home, right? In this episode, like, uh, they're, they're showing us, okay, what does the key mean? They're showing us the door, they're showing us the big inciting event in Picard's childhood that cha- forever changed him and scarred him. And, you're right. It is wrapped in this big, dumb fighting episode, but I don't think either of them really landed. Well, the other thing is, I'm pretty sure the Next Generation established that Picard's mother lived the old age. Oh, or at least Jesus! Really? When they, yeah, there's this uh, where no man has gone before. I think that's Nagila episode, um, or maybe it's, um, is, is, or is that the? the first appearance of the, um, the, the traveler, but they go to this thing where like uh, the, the boundaries between reality and fantasy break down and the crew start seeing, you know, uh, visions of their past and, and uh, whatnot. And Picard sees his mother like at a tea table and she's an old elderly person about mm-hmm. as old as Patrick Stewart is now. And she's offering him tea and whatnot. Um, it's like, everything just keeps getting dumber. Like, do you believe for an instant that Jean-Luc Picard suppressed the memory of his mother swinging from the rafters of the greenhouse that he personally felt responsible for because he unlocked her from the door and she was able to creep out and it's yeah it it does stretch believability certainly I look at the man that Picard is and I don't really see that level of trauma Um, I see fucked up wait he's fucked up no, I said that that's fucked up. If you're that's an eight exactly, year old boy, I, that's the thing. Like it's so fucked up that I expect him to be more of a wreck of a human based yes. on that, not like uh, driven to a career. That's 
that to me doesn't say like, oh, this is going to push him into the life of Starfleet. That to me says he's going to be curled up in a corner for the rest of his life, afraid of everything and everyone, not out there exploring the edges of the galaxy. So like, I mean, he might be driven in a career in the same way like Russ Cole from True Detective is driven from a career, but he's an but entirely he's, different he's character. A wreck. Yeah, that guy's a yeah. wreck. This guy's given speeches about morality. He's a diplomat, for God's sake. Like, yeah. Yeah, they seem incompatible with the character I know and the character they're portraying or the events in that character's life as portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I I don't see it. It's pretty tough. Um, There is one thing I did like. I actually like, and and maybe this is the uh, Gerardi syndrome I've come down with. I like the idea of the Borg being a fort, like almost um, a Davy Jones like they're they're roaming the galaxy and a starship that's derelict. It's about to destroy. It's about to blow up because its warp breaches is, is going or it's it's otherwise doomed and hopeless. The Borg show up and offer them to join the collective, and you still get to maintain your individuality, but you will have this. You know, I, I, I it, it's it's a nebulous pitch because like, well, what does that mean? It's essentially like, what if we keep all the strengths of the Borg, but we get rid of all the weaknesses? I, but but there's I think you could flesh that idea out of like, what would the Borg look like if they were the Borg, but they respected people's individuality? Like it was a true chorus of voices rather than a top down choir that's forced to sing from the same hymn book. It's a bottom up experience. Uh, from people that were also just going to be doomed to die anyway without the Borg's intervention. I thought that was something that's kind of interesting. But otherwise, like, man, Seven of Nine said, like, at the, at some point, in the, I don't know, I guess the idea that Borg aren't people is something that was explicitly wrestled with by Picard in the old series with the character of Hugh. You know, mm-hmm. like him and Guinan have this big back and forth. If it's like, you know, it's, it's not it's, it's not they're not people. Damn it. They're Borg. Um, and th- that kind of got walked back in first contact. But then again, that was in the middle of a Borg invasion. It's just weird to hear seven say shit like that. Like they're not people. A person who was redeemed from the Borg. It's weird right. to see them saying saying things like that. Um and then also, like, it's just like this big, dumb action that doesn't make a lot. There's this one sweeping scene where uh, Seven and um, uh, Rafi are, like, sprinting across his Borg position and they sweep up. And you see, like, Borg standing in this open field mm-hmm. and they're, like, just evenly spaced out. Like, just like, just just a, just a lazy, uh, just, just just put a Borg. Like, there's no, they're not doing, there's no cover. And I guess that's what Borg do, though, right? Sure, I, I don't know. Sure. It's just but like the idea that they could survive that journey through that. It seems crazy to me, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I watched Picard. He had a green dot on his forehead. Borg got him dead. The lot, and this this old ass Picard dodged a bullet. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it's just eh, I, like I said. I thought it's, it's a big dumb episode, um, and it caps off what's become a big dumb season. Yeah, yeah. What did you? You pretty much the same. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I thought it was pretty dumb. I I wasn't even sure I was buying the the pivot of the entire Borg civilization uh, just because Gerardi gives a speech. But like, I I don't know. Maybe in some world, like when you've got a synthesis between a human who is very much like her body's taken over by Borg, but her mind's resisting all this stuff. I. I don't know, man. I just feel like it's it's 
mucking so much with what I thought was cool about the Borg in the first place. Well, uh, that's the problem. The Borg are because yeah. the Borg have the Borg have become a shadow of themselves, right? When we first meet the Borg, I'm like, this is so fucking cool. It's a an enemy that can't be reasoned with, an enemy that is going to uh, not stop until you defeat them um, one way or another. And the collective thing has been fucked around with too. Like I, I think the idea, the concept of a hive mind collective, where there is no individuality and everyone every individual piece of that operates as one is just fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And they have done not just in this show, but in things like first contact shit in the next generation to some degree, but especially first contact, they, they do shit all over that concept, right? Like, okay, now you have a leader of the Borg and that's, what's controlling it where you know, and, and this takes it like one step further to say that, the collective is actually the thing that's wrong with the Borg. I think in some ways that is cool, but in other ways, it, it, it it's it, the, the plea that uh, Gerardi gives to her is like, Hey, you're alone. Whereas I don't view the collective as being alone. I view the collective as being the most intimate connection you could possibly ever have with someone, which is right. to share one mind. Um, but if you look at it from the perspective of like the, the Borg queen, being the one in control, uh, then I guess all those people aren't actually one mind. They are her mind. It's it's one mind, but it's just her mind. It's not right. a shared experience. It's a like you said, top down. Um, were, were you a fan of Family Matters, the old ABC sure. sitcom or <laughs> Urkel? Yeah. So I, I feel like the Borger like got the Steve Urkel problem in reverse. Uh, like like Steve Urkel was this like nerdy character and uh, they took it about as far as they could and then they introduced the concept they invented the machine that removed all the nerdy aspects of and become Stefan Urkel yes and yes. that's a funny idea but it kind of broke the concept of Steve because it's like well and I, I feel like the board came they were Stefan Urkel so fucking cool mm-hmm. and, 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 and high functioning and great and great villains and they got into the board queen was essentially the Steve Urkel machine it just made him dumb. Yeah. And the show, the, 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 the cannons never recovered from that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to I think agree. of, um, an example from like star Wars of like, uh, could you ruin Darth Vader, you know, as a, as a character or the concept of the force, I guess Lucas tried the midichlorian bullshit tried. and all that, but yep. didn't quite get it done. I feel like the, the Borg are just, you just can't take them serious. Um, if uh, a hundred-year-old guy, a watcher, a basket case, and uh, a non-Borg, just a standard person at this point, can can take out a squad of Borg super soldiers led by the Borg queen herself, then there's just yeah, this is it's not like Picard's got a whole starship behind him. It's 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 just whatever. Uh, he's not even using unique insights that he has as formerly Locutus. It's just. That's the thing. They having shootouts, man. I I never felt like they needed the Borg queen in the first place. Like it it was cool. It was neat to see in, in Star Trek first contact, but this is one of those things where I like recontextualize some of the stuff I saw that I thought was cool back in the day. And now I see how it's doing damage. Cause like the idea of, of integrating your biological distinctiveness to, to their own. Right. And that would come along with like ideas and, and thoughts that they had and opinions that these people held, I would assume, um, along with the knowledge that they had, uh, that's such a cool concept because the collective becomes smarter than any one human and they can, can, they can all communicate and, and, and 
essentially argue it out and make decisions at light speed, right? Uh, just right. as fast as a human can come to a decision, you can have a collective of billions come to a decision based on all of the knowledge that those individuals had in their lives. And I feel like that was such a cool idea. But then to boil it down to actually, no, there's one queen and she's in charge of making all the decisions and the drones then just listen to what she says makes that no different than any other military organization, right? Yeah. It, it totally yep. neuters what the Borg was. And I, yeah, but you need it because to the, the, Borg, the Borg queen literally served as the thermal exhaust port of the Death Star. You needed a single point of sure. failure because that's, or the droid control ship in the Phantom Menace. You need a single point of failure because you've got to be able to kill the Borg, you know, uh, in and first no, contact, no you could have done it do by it. sacrificing the enterprise, right? Like I, it, yeah, I don't. I don't want to litigate. Like, oh, what should first contact have been? Because right, it's yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah. of the Star Trek movies. But like, sure, but it's one of those things where it's like, man, uh, instead of like Voyager carefully undoing the damage that that show that the, the movie did to the Borg's canon, I think they could have done it. Like, they could have put some interesting sure. limitations to the Queen to could. But like, Voyager just continued because like the problem with Voyager is it's, it's one starship cut off from supply, and they have to always win against every confrontation against the Borg <laughs> in fucking Borg space, right? So you have to so make up like, some new attributes to the Borg that let them win. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. Yeah. So, um, and I know there's. It wasn't just the because they also had species nine zero two one zero that came out and from <laughs> from from fluidic space to kind of like yeah. be the 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 enemy of my enemy. It wasn't mm-hmm. that simple, but like, I I think they they swung for defenses with first contact. And it was an awesome movie. But as a result, it's like you just can't. You know, they. It's like Star Trek two killed Khan. It's a great movie, but Khan was finished. And yeah. I feel like First Contact should have killed the Borg. Right, because the they Borg do kill the defeated. Queen. So, like. Right. And yeah, all the other Borgs are freaking out and, and destroying themselves. And I don't know. They got temporal awareness and she uploaded her consciousness to another node of the network and blah, 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 right, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, but like, I feel like it sh- they, that should have been like the Wrath of Khan and the Borgs just, just should have died. And then they invent uh, the, some new crazy alien that could have been the massive thing. But I don't know. Star Trek increasingly creatively bankrupt. Uh, had, a, had a good had, had a good run. Uh, <laughs> now we've got what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of what we got, how about we talk about what this episode has got with the recap? Let's do it. But first, let's take a quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. 
except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we start off with the Borg Queen transporting her new Mercs to Chateau Picard and taking over La Serena. She gets her body out of storage and takes just the robo bits to make a new set of clothes for Gerardi, uh, a Borg set of clothing, and then Rios and company run. It's a downgrade from the red dress, but uh, they they yeah. haven't fucked up Allison Pill enough that I'm that I'm that I'm not standing this new queen. Okay. Uh, they didn't quite get the ten, the the. <laughs> they get that uh, later. The, the, the sli- <laughs> they, they, they don't go full slime skin, bald head, no, tentacles no. whipping out of the skull, kind of you know business. Um, yeah, right. yeah. But uh, boy, Rios's ice cream party cut short tragically mm-hmm. by the the Borg uh, amassing in mass. Here's my big question, and I know the answer is we need an action scene, but why don't they just, tra- why doesn't the Borg Queen just transport Picard to her Mercs instead of Mercs outside of Chateau Picard? That's a good question. Transport him sure. defenseless, nude if you want, uh, mm-hmm. right outside like where six guards have their rifles pointed game over how are they transporting oh that's the one part of the ship system that she does have control of right 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 yeah yeah um that the show's not that stupid congratulations i just feel like it'd be easier transporting picard instead of the mercs but what do i yeah. know or transport picard to wall does, sure. does or, yeah. or, or, or space uh, wide in space, wide dispersal pattern. That's also an option you can do with the transporter. You don't have to put those atoms back together. You can just right. throw them out there in their elemental goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe put a nanite in the particle stream with him and Borgify him inside the Ooh. transporter stream so he comes out as Get a Borg. Get Locutus back. Sure. Yep. Sure. Anyway, uh, Picard, Talon, Seven, and Rafi all teleport in and begin devising a plan to defend the ship. But then Rio shows up and tells them they're too late as Mercs continue to beam in. Uh, what do you think about the Borg green lasers? Like I thought like they're that, that was a it's kind of a cool homage to the Borg eyepieces, right. but also they're like the laser pointer on, on the soldiers rifles. But they're not fully Borg. I kept on thinking like mm-hmm. at some point, are these Borg ever going to adapt 
and start having a little sh- shields? Four shields on them and Ooh. things like that. But they never do. But I think I think they've said that the Borg Queen doesn't have that much juice. She can't fully Borgify these guys. You have to eat a whole Tesla to get that kind of power. <laughs> Drinking the battery just doesn't get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You got you got to go to get the lithium ion and lots of it before you can start fully right. Borgifying a, a, a platoon of soldiers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Mercs pin down Picard's crew and Borg Queen tries to take the ship, but Jurati's still inside there somewhere, keeping her from taking it. Uh, also, Jurati has locked the Borg Queen out of the controls with a code that she didn't memorize. Also, she summons an ECH version, uh, emergency combat hologram version of Elnor, who is the one who actually has the code. And Elnor starts fighting in these uh, Borg Queen mercs. I thought this was pretty. I, I don't know about the Elnor, the combat El, super co- combat yeah, Elnor, silly. but that's fucking silly, man. <laughs> But but especially since like there's they play the rest of this episode as if this Elnor could die. That's like if only the, the, the Borg Queen thing. can amass enough troops to kill him. I'm like, what part of emergency <laughs> hall? Did you see how the Borg fared against the emergency medical hologram in right. Star Trek First Contact? Like. It's not a real person. If you do kill it, it can just ignore the damage. Or can just reintegrate some other place of the ship. It's like and there's such a fucking cool opportunity here. If you really want to go cool action, don't have him do his stupid sword shit where he's, you know, fighting four guys at a time. Have him transporting all around the ship. Just yeah. like he transports behind you, he kills you, he transports out behind another guy, kills him, and he's yeah, a like fucking crawler that you can't X-Men. get your hands around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. So much she- cooler. He should be at least as cool as an agent from the Matrix. Totally. Um, and they just but, play this uh, like he's a normal dude, except he's got a code in his head. And, and the reason <laughs> they do this is because it's far more visually interesting than just having the Borg Queen stand there with her eyes twitching while she uses her brain to run through some computer encryption, right? Yeah. Like, that's the only reason they do this. And it's really, it's stupid, but, uh, you know, what? <laughs> what else are they going to do? Yeah, I, I and I, I think that this whoever this guy is, Elnor, is a hell of a lot better at stunt work than Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan. Um, I mean, he's, so like, he's good at it. Yeah, I, I saw no, Michelle he, Hurd do a pretty cool takedown grapple thing this episode too. But yes, they're, they're decent. But the, this guy really moves like a. I mean, does he? He? I, I wonder if he is like a up and coming martial arts star or something. He's clearly got some kind of training. Um, and he, he looks good with a sword. He looks good killing. I don't have any problem with that. It's just like, and I even thought it was kind of clever. The whole. Um, you know, this is like Data's go-to move. Like, you know, whenever he would get, you know, every season he get taken over by some kind of demon or alien code or his father recalling him, and he his go-to move was like going up and then Picard's voice being like, "Lock all commands behind Data code Alpha Bravo one two nine or second sorry just go on like you know it's 128 bit encryption code." And she does the same thing. Like, I just like the idea of like uh, summoning a, a holographic character to be like, "I'm just going to stream of consciousness this fractal code." And I just want you to remember it because I'm not. And you uh-huh. just start just and that. That's a cool idea. But mm-hmm. that the, the Borg Queen then is just fucked. Like she has to tear oh, the yeah. ship apart, like reprogram it. Like there's no way to bypass this thing. And they want to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted Elnor. And then uh, or then it leads up to the ultimate stupidity of Jurati fake apologizing to a fake Elnor. Yeah. Yeah, half-baked. Half-baked idea. It's half cool. It's half cool. Sure. 
Um, what did you think about the sparring, the verbal sparring between Agnes and the queen where she's like, your problem is you've assimilated half the galaxy and you'll always need more cause you're just like me. You're lonely. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. Uh, but I know they've changed the Borg. Um, so the queen is kind of the individual that is the Borg. So I guess I buy it but based on what they've done. I, I don't, I don't like it from a, Hey, Borg should be this collective hive mind thing where everyone is, is always there. But like, right. The way that they have portrayed the Borg to work. I think it makes sense. I also think that and no matter um, the, the idea that like, no matter how many individuals she collects into her consciousness, she's always alone. I think it's a cool one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I that's think like she's work. always looking for something to fill that void inside her. And and I, it also neatly, I thought the answer to the question I've been asking this whole season is like, I, I get this Borg, it's a scorpion and a frog type situation, but Jesus, the Borg queen was about to be exterminated by this timeline and she's actively working to bring it. And she points out that's like, well, this is, you're, that's such a one dimensional or four dimensional way of thinking because now you see the branch, but not the whole, the whole tree. Now that I know about the Confederation, I can go back and play this timeline like a fiddle and be ready for them. It's like, oh, okay, well, of course, yeah, that sounds that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some some neat stuff you do if you go with the idea uh, that they've set up of the Borg. Anyway, um, still pinned down by the Mercs, Picard gets hit with a flashback grenade. I mean, flashbang grenade, <laughs> uh, but he does flashback to to being a kid, and his dad is apparently a curmudgeon. Um, his dad, they're like one to play a game here. His dad asks his mom how things are going. She hasn't had an incident in a while, but he, she still seems concerned. Um, we're talking about like her mental condition. Picard and his mom then play hide and seek. I saw in the background, you've got like a holographic starship display, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Mm. I don't know what starship it was. I didn't get a very close look at it. But I don't the Stargazer, know. why not? I mean, yeah, it can't be right. Uh, maybe some prototype form of the Stargazer, or we know remarkably little about Picard's dad, right? Yeah, was he a Starfleet counselor? Was he a Starfleet officer? They got a Starfleet, but like, I, I, I imagine that like almost everybody on Earth would have some kind of starship memorabilia, you know? Probably, yeah. His name's Morris. I know that much. Yeah. Morris Picard. <laughs> Morris Picard. <laughs> Is that a good Picard name? That doesn't strike me as a Picard name. Morris Picard. Would it be pronounced like Mori? Mori? Like they just you know, say Morris. A, just, I know, I know. It does sound you like you think his family would know of... how to pronounce his name if it wasn't actually Morris, right? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it for the last time, children, I told you my name is not Morris. Right. Well, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like one of the seals, like we got a town in Indiana called Versailles, even though it's spelled Versailles. So maybe it's like they've just been so colonized by the English language that they've forgotten how to pronounce their own names. Could be. It's Morris Pickard. I'm Morris Pickard. (laughs) I am the father of of Gene Luck. Gene Luck Pickard. (laughs) Yep. And Picard, you know, as as someone who's cultured, right, and has read a lot of history and understands... Uh Uh, the ways of the world. He has reestablished Jean-Luc Picard as the way to pronounce his, his Frankenstein, not Frankenstein. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's, he's reclaiming it. 
Yeah. I like that headcanon. Uh, all right. Picard comes back to the present, which is actually in the past. There's a lot of, a lot of time stuff happening here. Uh, soon shows up with an offer. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Wrong scene. Uh, Rios tries to run for it and gets shot in the shoulder. And Picard uh-huh. has Talon beam Rios to safety and then uh, kind of keep them there because he she sends him to her apartment and Rios is unable to come back because somehow she locked him out of the transporter remotely. Eh, huh? I can imagine she does that. It's her shit. Why couldn't she? You know, she's yeah, got, remote, her, her she got remote control over it. She could probably remote. I mean, I can remotely lock out my uh, my my net my my net gear router. So yeah. I, I was going to sure say if I wanted to like lock someone in my house and turn like the thermostat all the way up with like a <laughs> nest or whatever, or an eco bee want to boil you alive. Yeah, you could get that done. Sure. They, <laughs> they'd have a hard time changing it. See, people uh, people give the Warhammer 40K universe a lot of shit uh, because the enormous shoulder pauldrons that their soldiers have. But the Warhammer universe understands a crucial point that like a named character will only ever take damage to their shoulder. Sure. So you just want to beef that area up. Yeah. It's like you, know, you want to reinforce that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're just never going to get through that and, and they'll never take a wound anywhere else. So uh, that's those damn <laughs> shoulder wounds, man. Yeah, unless there's a Borg there to to fix them up and make it right. They'll never take a wound anywhere but the shoulder. Right. And I also don't understand how that disqualifies him from from going on the offensive here, from defending his friends. Like, a shot to the shoulder is not that debilitating. It's in his left shoulder, too. Is he left-handed? Is it his left? Is I don't know. Because if he's a, if he's one of them sinister left-handers, then maybe... Uh, because, like, yeah. if it's if Because I, I think that... If you're a righty and you got a gun of some sort and you got shot in the shoulder, you're probably out of the fight. You probably can't bring a gun level and you're going to be shit. Unless you're the so Northman. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then and then you also you need to evacuate these civilians. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. He didn't seem wounded enough to warrant taking him out of action here, especially when that like your numbers can't dwindle that much before you just don't have enough people to fend these off. Right. You can use they every like person six, you can get. They got like six people and half a hologram. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Seven decides to execute a flanking maneuver to get to the ship, and Soong shows up with an offer. Here's where that happens. Uh, if Picard surrenders, they can all live. <laughs> is, that, is that an offer? Mm-hmm. Is that an offer? Surrender and live. Okay. Um, Picard remembers the hide and seek game that he had with his mom as a child and decides. He's going to play a match of it with Soong and his goons. So they retreat into the labyrinth that is Chateau Picard's basement. Uh, I actually like this scene with Soong, like uh, in isolation, uh, his explanation. Because like, well, you got you got all the cards. Why are you parlaying at all? Why didn't you beam Picard into a wall? And he's like, you know, I'm a scientist. I don't like these rogue variables. I can't control if you surrender now, we got a smooth sailing forward into the future I want. And if you don't, it's going to be, I'm just, I'm still going to win, but it's going to be muddy. So it's kind of like it, that, that made, that made a lot of sense. And especially from his kind of mad scientist type character. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give him this is, this is a decently written scene in, 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 in an episode where everything else made sense. It wouldn't have been something that made me want to set my pants on fire. I think it doesn't really make sense is why they're not going after Renee. 
Like, just fucking kill Renee. Do they need the mission not to be scrubbed? Is that the thing? Like, if an astronaut that was supposed to be on this mission turns up dead, they're going to just scrub the whole thing? Yeah, or, like, okay, Picard like, I, I get about to... them scrubbing it earlier, so he's right. assuming that if they scrub it, it'll, it'll go the other way. But just kill Renee. The, the Borg Queen obviously doesn't care that much about Renee. She's all about wanting to get a assimilated base and a starship and getting a head start. So, like, but yeah, knocking off Renee with a platoon of Borg soldiers would be the work of like three yeah. seconds. Yeah. And then you go and do the other stuff. You, you you fight the people that have phaser rifles and heavy repeating phaser cannons and force fields and teleporters and shit like that. You just snuff out the young woman who doesn't have shit. Uh, I feel like Renee yeah. should have been traveling with this group the entire time, right? Like, and I know that like might break whatever preservation the of the timeline yeah. they've tried to do in this show with their butterfly shit. But I feel like that's already broken a and B mm. you're right. This it's this gaping loophole that they have. That they're just not exploiting and it makes the queen look very stupid. Well, they're pulling these plot lines out of their gaping assholes. It's the problem. And then like they're at the end, they're going to have Schrodinger. Uh, they're going to have Schrodinger's Renee, or they're going to have one that fails and one that's so like, you already got the possible. You already got this prospect of splitting the timeline anyway. So yeah, why not have her along for the fight? Yeah, yeah. Although she's so damaged, she's so tra- traumatized. I'm sure fighting the Borg would would be super super for her headspace. Yeah, as long as she doesn't get shot in the shoulder, she'll be fine. <laughs> uh, all right, Seven and Rafi try to flank their way through Chateau Picard, but encounter resistance. They, of course, fight them off. No worse for the wear. Keep going. Uh, yeah. boy, this is, this is pretty violent Trek right here. Like the it tag is. team knife pressed through the guy's neck. This, it doesn't really feel like Star Trek to me. It's gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is everyone's while Star Trek would do that. Like intentionally. Like I remember uh, data snapping Borg necks and trying to feel something about it, but it was always like, well, this is unhinged Star Trek, right? Sure. But this is our heroes are wrestling a person down to the ground and, and forcibly <laughs> shoving their it felt more personal. knife in its eye socket. I'm surprised yeah, they didn't it. feels like it. Private, Saving Private Ryan yes. times two because they're both leaning in on it. It's- yeah, Seven's just like, shh, 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 <laughs> resistance is futile. Resistance is futile. Shh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it feels really dark for a Star Trek episode. It is. It is. All right, uh, Picard tells Talon about the labyrinths of Chateau Picard and flashes back again to his game of hide-and-seek with his mom, and he finds his mom in the bright uh, ground level of Chateau Picard, and she's not feeling that. She says, we got to go downstairs and play where it's darker, um, less less agora to my agoraphobia, uh, and guilts him into doing it despite his father forbidding it. And we go back to the present where Picard opens a secret passage and they go inside. Which this stuff all makes sense. Like, uh, you know, they introduced the fact that Chateau Picard was used by the French resistance in World War Two. So they'd have secret passages and secret places that would have like weapons and stuff that Papa Picard wouldn't want them down there fucking with. Sure. That stuff is all working. What doesn't work is like I'm not the, the mother says things to Picard like you're my light, Jean-Luc. You're the light that always draws me out. I don't. I don't know what where we end up with that because he's not. He's the light that snuffs her candle out. <laughs> uh yeah. You know, like what does that what where what does that do? Like they're writing this they're writing this mom's dialogue. 
um, for some purpose. And I get having her being like, Picard, you know, Jean-Luc, you need to let me out. I'm your mom. Please save me. But I, I wasn't. I'm trying to put together like, what are these things? Because I didn't. I did, honestly, I was shocked when they show her swinging from the rafters. Because again, pretty dark. For, I, I thought there was going to be some kind of happy resolution because uh, I, I really thought that you know Picard's mom had lived to see a ripe old age since we saw that in Star Trek: The Next Generation. This is a different timeline. This is already diverged, but it's the it's our Picard. No, 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 no. This Picard is from the real timeline. Uh-huh, totally. So, like, I, I I think that's just a canon fuck up, or they just retconned it, which is fine. Star Trek does that all the time. But but you know, I, I guess it's not fine when they do they they violate canon for reasons that don't seem like it's worth it. You know. Yeah. The the thing I'm picking up that they're. I think they're trying to say with this is that she has been battling with this mental illness for a long time. And John Luke in the past has been the thing to see her through it, but this is the final straw, you know, she's, yeah, she's it's, it's overwhelming her. Um, and despite, you know, JL being there, young JL, uh, she can no longer take it. Um, well, and, and like the idea that like this eight year old or however old he's supposed to be eight, somewhere between six and 14, that's so much weight to put on a young kid's shoulders. Like, you know, yeah. your emotional stability, your parents' emotional stability is your problem. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, they're going to set up this thing where it's like, I'm going to want to know how did Picard get into Starfleet? Yeah. In like less than 10 years or so. Right. He's going to join up a Starfleet. How did he get over this massive amount of weight that's put on his shoulders and this, this feeling of responsibility that he ultimately failed to do and then takes that and becomes the Starfleet officer who puts all this pressure on his shoulder. Like, again, it doesn't seem like it fully connects. And I felt like I needed a couple episodes. I, I feel like I need another whole series explaining how Picard, mm-hmm. like, got well enough to be the Picard I know from the next generation starting from this. Because it's not just your mom committed suicide. It's your mom committed suicide after spending years of like this emotional decline and putting you in danger and playing these cat and mouse games and going down and scaring you in the basement. And it's just a lot. It's a lot for a kid to bounce back. But, you know, they got 24th century psychiatric medicine. I don't know. For sure. And I can't tell if I like the fact that they're playing young Picard so stoically Um, Mm. because, you know, he's not like breaking down and weeping when he sees all this right he goes out and he throws a stone through the mural that they made together and i understand how that's reflective right of of anger and and uh shame and guilt and all those things but like he's not showing it right he's stiff upper lipping it kind of so like i can't tell if that's good or bad i feel like a child should have more of a reaction and then he should become the stoic person he is later in life. Well, as, also, as he as he processes this stuff, but Picard in the day turned that anger and guilt and shame against his mother. Like I think destroying the the greenhouse is him like being angry with his mother. Like look at all this beautiful fantasy world that you built up and you said this is a safe space for us and then you did sure. this and I'm destroying it. But somehow he transmuted that anger and resentment to his father. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. instead of his father being the savior and his father being the one that kept him safe, because like it, in the day, it'd be one thing if, his, if Picard blamed his father because his mom poisoned against him in the day. But like somehow he took the anger against his mom that he expressed as a kid and turned it towards his father. And the frustrating thing yeah. is we're not going to get 
a resolution no. to this. There's no fucking way in the next hour of this thing that we're going to get these. Ans- I mean, maybe they'll play with it. Maybe next episode, the, the next season was just literally him visiting every crew member of the Enterprise and crying and working out his shit with his mom and dad. <laughs> That's not what you I know? want to see at all. No, so I, I don't, hope not. I don't. But you're right. That's the only way that it could ever connect the, the, those this, dots. This season's so fucking heavy. How can they not? How can they not? Like when he sees his old right. friends again, he's got this whole new perspective on life and the the whole new side we've never met. Like, how can we just go back to regular Picard and have fun, fun adventures and meet meet cutes with all of his old buddies when we've come off of this fucking trauma heavy? I don't yeah. know. I mean, they they disconnected from season one pretty effectively. I mean, this season two has had nothing to do with season one. That's Absolutely true. nothing. So, you know, going into season three, if we disconnect again, it won't it won't feel out of the ordinary. But yeah, you're right. It's it's. This is more personal than, you know, having to save a race of androids, right? Well, the, 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 so, so the season one resolution to put Picard in a, a robot body, but it's indistinguishable from his organic body. But the the change was to the Federation. Yes. Like Picard always stayed the same. Like he uh-huh. was, you know, he given up a little bit in the early, but he came back and he, he was always the same guy that fought for rights and fought for, you know, try to protect the Rhymelins, try to protect the, the androids, did all that stuff. He himself didn't change. This is a huge change for him and it should pay off. And if it does, it's going to be a bummer. If it doesn't, it's going to be dumb. And I also, I just keep thinking about the last few weeks. So we got that uh, email about Patrick Stewart's relationship with uh, family violence mm-hmm. and seeming like personal connections material. But this has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It really doesn't. Yeah. Like your dad being violent and traumatized from war and drinking too much and being an alcoholic is not the same as your mother having some kind of severe agoraphobia that causes her to disassociate and eventually kill herself. Yeah, it doesn't seem Maybe like there it does. Was I don't know. I'm violent. I'm not a psych I'm not a psychologist, child. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Endangerment neglect. Uh, I don't know. Kind of close, yeah, but anyway, um so young JL tries to find his mom talon recognizes the labyrinth and asks picard what this place is we're kind of this whole episode is very flash forward flashback flash forward flashback yes it's it's all kind of happening in two timelines at the same time uh one in picard's memories so try and keep up i guess uh yeah so talon's there she recognizes the labyrinth asks picard what this place is he tells her the history of it of world war ii all the stuff you mentioned Um, but she wanted to know more about his emotional connection to the place. So he tells her about the childhood game of hide and seek and the thousand ways to die down here that his father was always talking about. And we flash back to Picard's dad calling for him. And we flash forward again to Picard and Talon traveling through the tunnels. Saying that there's more than one secret passage, that there's a way that there's like essentially a tunnel that goes out to the vineyard and they can, Assault La Serena from there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much of this stuff is like important to talk about in the moment because it's all leading to something else. But that's the thing. This thousand ways to die and the storage munitions is going to pay off pretty hilariously underwhelmingly. But we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go over to Seven and Rafi taking a little battle break to talk about why Seven never joined Starfleet. Because why not? You know, no pressing issues here. Nothing. Nothing serious going on. Let's just talk about that for a while. Uh, apparently, they denied her entry despite Janeway's threat to resign, which shows you how much pull Janeway had, huh? Like, <laughs> Picard threatened oh, you to got resign? Your star- he yeah. could have got anybody in. 
anybody. Yeah. He could have got Q into Starfleet. Yeah. Uh, you lost our starship for seven years and you come back with your ragtag team of losers. <laughs> yeah, Jane. I, it's like, I don't know. I Yeah. But I'm I'm admittedly kind of a Voyager hater, so I guess if you'd seen the full scope and grandeur of Voyager, then maybe you got a different opinion of <laughs> Janeway. So. But, yeah. I don't know. I like Janeway, but apparently she ain't got the juice yeah. to get that done. I think I think uh, Seven would have made an interesting Starfleet captain. Um, and it's oh, like, this totally. another thing that's like this is such horseshit that they. I mean, I mean, maybe you got she got to go through Starfleet Academy and she needs some psych evaluation and stuff. But Jean-Luc mm-hmm. Picard, who was the queen consort of the fucking Borg and almost destroyed the Federation single handedly, he is fine and he is a captain and he's a of course, Starfleet does, you know, keep him at arm's length and engagements yeah. against the Borg. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just seems like it just makes me like Starfleet less and less. It's kind of the same way with the uh, prequels and the Jedi, like the Jedi, are just a shitty organization, man. Sure. And I feel like the Federation is a lot more xenophobic and kind of uh, prejudicial than you'd want you'd want them to be. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, all right. Borg Queen hunts uh, ECH Elnor on La Serena and Elnor finds a bladed weapon in storage. Is this his old? Is this like real Elnor's uh, actual sword i think so because i can't imagine why he would you know why why rios would have a sword or why even the confederation would have like edged weaponry and stuff i feel like this is Uh, supposed to be the big cheer for for elnor moment the big exciting moment right oh fuck he's got his sword he's gonna go just tear ass through these guys but and it is cool but did you think that elnor kind of looks like a bad era michael jackson throughout this episode okay i could see it yeah with without the, his hair swept back and that ponytail uh-huh. and his pointy ears it's just kind of falling in loose curls and he's got that uh post skin whitening kind of complexion like i kept yeah. on expecting him to <laughs> after he he, he <laughs> chops chops the board soldier's head off <laughs> yeah 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 moonwalk over with his blade and <laughs> honestly <laughs> it would have been just as cool as what we got if not cooler uh-huh yeah, I'd be there for that. Anyway, Rios is still trying to transport back to the fight. And Teresa tells him, sit down so I can take this bullet out of your arm. And she's apparently sad that she's going to have to say goodbye to Rios, whether they win or lose. Yeah, makes sense. Um, They're setting up her going back to the future. It feels like it. It really does. Yeah. Oh, I, how can I ever live in a world without these miraculous technologies? How can I ever go back and watch people die knowing I could save them with the future technology? How can we ever resolve this? Or or it feels like maybe Rio's staying here because at the end of this episode, in my opinion, they have Ooh. forgotten the t- the core tension that they set up, which is yeah. If they if the Borg Queen takes over the ship and leaves, we also cannot get home. Right. We need this fucking ship and we need the Borg Queen to pilot us back home. We can't lose the ship and we can't kill the Borg Queen. And they just let the ship go mm. without a mention of like, how are we going to get home? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Did, am I misremembering? I, did they did they have a scene that I forgot about where they're like, yeah, but if we give the Borg Queen the ship, how are we going to get home? I think 
Allison Pills Borg Queen is going to fold space and use her giant Borg collective ship to get Picard and them back. And it's not going to cause a causal loop to these characters, though, right? No, 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 no. They they think I I I yeah. I wonder is this is this like a noble sacrifice that they're they don't even address that. Like if they had said, "Hey, if we lose the ship, we're going to be stranded here," and Picard goes, "It's worth it," or something. Right. The the Borg Queen reveal uh, refers to a deal that they made to trade a life for a ship. And I'm like, you just made that deal yourself, man. That's I, I, right. Uh, with your own head cannon <laughs> with Jurati. But, but I, I think so it's like, gonna, what's going to happen is they're going to go back in time with the Borg Queen on the Borg ship. And that'll be fine because all themselves in the current timeline go back in time at that point. So they'll re emerge in the timeline exactly when their old selves that disappear from it. So everything will square time causality wise i mean that that might be fine but no one seems concerned about it they don't even mention it it's like the show forgot that that was a core tension of this yeah them you home. needed like because and they they took the time for rafi and seven being like we're not going to make it out of this oh well let's go ahead and give it the best show. like you know starfleet offers best i i think they should have done that at the end of the episode yeah where it's like you know they they say it's like well we're just never getting home and picard's like well let's make our sacrifice worth it we can still fix the timeline we can still uh-huh. save the federation from and then I don't know. Like, there's always that that I like I, that tantalizing point in first contact, where Picard thinks that they're going to destroy the Enterprise and they're going to be, and he's like give standing orders for his uh, officers to go colonize some random island of Iceland and stay out of this. Like uh-huh. that's kind of a cool idea that these Starfleet officers, Robinson Crusoeing through, <laughs> I station exactly. Starfleet, yeah. Exactly, I station Riker, um, <laughs> and they could do something like that, but and obviously they wouldn't go but like yeah they needed some acknowledgement of like the damn games change because throughout the whole season they're like we can't we need the Borg queen and we need la serena and we need to fix the timeline and any of those three things going to be disaster and they can still save the timeline but they can't save themselves at least without some kind of intervention and you're right they don't acknowledge that Uh, and i didn't even need them to be like yeah something something big it's just like a line that says oops we can't get home anymore let's make it worth it yeah wild wild that they don't do that anyway uh soon searches chateau picard and finds the secret passage and he tells his men to search for other entrances yeah here's the thing soon can find this passage based on context clues like you know right. ground not having straw on it or dust or whatever where the shelf moved you know some some typical like uh sherlock holmes type shit sure but picard who lived in this house for decades i mean i don't know when he went oh, off to starfleet to. but a long ass time has used these tunnels before has used this door before suddenly has no recollection of where like it has to see in his flashback that this is a thing in order to know that the house has tunnels. I think that works because this is all shut behind layers of repressed memories and trauma. Whereas soon's just looking at the context clues, Picard's having to read. Really? Because his dad was telling him as a child, like don't go into these secret tunnels tunnels and passages Hmm. It, it, it's, you're right it's there not can't like this be a like a public entrance because then the nazis just come and be like what's behind the door and they're like oh it's our <laughs> right. french resistance shit fuck yeah yeah okay sure y- young jl knows that these tunnels exist and not just in the moment where like he's traumatized by his mom killing right. herself this is a standing thing with his dad so like yeah i don't buy mm. it i don't buy it 
anyway yeah they, he finds him and goes inside uh picard continues his sporadic flashback and finds his mother she starts talking about how large and dead space is much like her life and she asks him to remember her fondly then they hear his father shouting for them ignore the coldness of my dying star jean-luc I, I like um, some of the poetic language that they use here. I think this oh, uh, this th- could be a well-written scene if not for the context around it, but yeah. I feel like the Star Trek, these particular Star Trek writers are the type that like write dialogue like that and just admire the shit out of it. Like they sit back and just read that script, but God damn, ignore <laughs> the dying, the coldness of that dying star. Jeez. Because like they, they, they throw these speeches everywhere. Yes, that's... Like four For or sure. five times an episode, they have this like flout, like uh, Rafi does that when they, they, they're having the like, oh, we're doomed kind of speech. Like, um, and sometimes it works, but a lot of times it just doesn't. A lot of times it's just gobbledygook because like this is kind of trite. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, oh, really? Wow. 24th century woman pondering the, the, the vastness of space and how some of these stars are probably already dead and we're just seeing the reflections of like, yeah, I watched right. right. I fucking, uh, uh, I, I watched uh, Carl Sagan too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> congratulations. And, and this is one of them that mostly works for me. But if you look back at like Guinan's speech about how the the Andorians or whatever, I know she's not an Andorian, well, whatever her fucking- Alorians? The Alorians, yeah. How they view time and, and moments in time and all this stuff, like- that speech is 100% the opposite of this. It does not mm-hmm. work in any way. It's just a jumbled mess of concepts and poetry. And yeah, this actually works for me. Um, you know, uh, but it's also backset against everything else that goes on in these episodes. Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeny. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. Anyway, uh, in the present, they get to the room where young Jail's foot got stuck and his dad found him. And then Talon asks what happened to his mother. And Picard tells her that her father locked her in a room and he let her out. And Soong finds them. And uh, Picard it runs off, takes them into another room in the labyrinth. Yeah. Just is setting this, up. Is this, is this, okay, is, is this the part where he pulls the gun? Uh no. Wait, wait, where who pulls the gun? Picard finds a gun like a World War II era pistol and goes ham on the Borg soldiers. Um I don't 
think as far- yeah yeah maybe it is okay i think okay. it is because as far as I can tell, this is the payoff for a thousand ways to die down here, that there's still some unexploded munitions and stuff, which I'm like, when I was watching this episode um, and he finds this gun and I'm like, oh, shit, man, there's going to be like fucking bazookas and who knows landmines. Well, like what all kinds of shit you could because I, I buy f- what 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 are we now? Uh, 60 years past World War Two or whatever. That there's still some boom boom that's that's effective down there and it hasn't gone bad. But he literally just picks up one pistol, shoots it like four or five times, runs out of bullets and throws it down. Yeah. And the other thing is now that I'm really thinking about it, why didn't Papa Picard like have these tunnels swept? Like you've got unexploded ordnance and weapons and guns and like it's fine to say it's oh, there's a thousand ways to die down there, kid. But shouldn't you do something about it? <laughs> At least take out one of the ways. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he you know? was afraid of it, too. Look, I'm not going down. There's a thousand ways to die down there, kids. Right. Yeah, I keep telling you. They got this booby trapped. This is yeah. like the fucking mine shaft from Goonies, man. You don't want to go down there. Right. Unless your name's Chester Copplepot, and even then, probably going to die. Yep. He did. It's true. Uh, all right. Elnor continues fighting. Rafi and Seven make it to the ship, and he's reunited with them. And he tells Rafi what's going on with the queen and the code. And Seven has an idea and asks Elnor to unlock the ship's systems. So he does, which is risky because the Borg Queen might get control over him. And then Rafi takes another battle break to apologize to ECH Elnor for holding the real Elnor back. And he says, look, Elnor didn't blame you. I remember his his memories and his final one was not of blame. Uh, And they follow Seven to the transporter. I get so there's a couple things about here. I thought it was a, a hilarious that the Borg is chasing Eleanor all throughout the ship. He gets through one bulkhead, closes the door, and then they pause for a five minute emotional scene so Rafi can apologize. And, and I think it it makes sense that if you buy that this ship is constantly scanning people and they, they're teleporting them, that like when someone dies, it's got the ability to create a hologram based on them and it can scan their neural neurons. So like, is this is literally Elnor? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's an Elnor simulation. Um, But man, I just don't care because this is a relationship that entirely took place over two minutes of screen time and off camera between season one and season two. And and all this is going to be undone, right? If they get back to their timeline. Right. Right. So like. Just save the apologies for the real Elnor if you ever get back. Like, right. this, this fake Elnor can't give you the absolution you're looking for. It, it right. can't get you off the hook for this. So why are you even bothering with it? Right, because if the Borg Queen desperate. busts through the door 30 seconds before and before Seven's got the transporter ready to, to beam, you know, the, the you're, you're fucked. And then, right. you know... Or if you Elnor's succeed, gonna die. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can then apologize to the real Elnor. So, like, right. you're going to get your absolution with a fake Elnor and then come back to the real Elnor and be like, what? Oh, I, I'm over it. I'm over it, Elnor. I, Plus, I, I don't care what you think anymore. It's also creepy that this emergency combat hologram is a sentient being and it can just be sh- turned on and off. Uh... Like, yeah, yeah I you mean, that's, can that's, base a hologram off of any living individual. But what's the like they like uh, they never ponder that like the Elnor doesn't. It's like, what the fuck? I'm just a I'm just a construct here to fight Borg. Uh, there's no trauma from dying. Like I, it's 
I mean, the EMH <sighs> was be- like that too, though, right? I mean, he was based on the the EMH and Voyager. Um, based Robert on, Picardo. but not like a literal brain scan of the dude, right? I couldn't tell you for sure. I didn't watch enough. That's interesting. That like Leah Brahms, the hologram that Jordy fell in love yeah. with, and the real Leah Brahms. Mm-hmm. Like it's a simulation. It's not the real person. And I felt like there's some kind of weird moral ethical quandary of bringing a person into life just to say, and then you're going to presumably, you know, shut him off. Are we going to have hollow Elnor for the rest of the series? <laughs> well, when the timeline, I uh, know because La Serena would so come like back. Thomas Riker. Imagine at the end of the, like the episode where they find that the no. Riker, they just kill Thomas because, well, yeah. you know, we're done with you story wise. I mean, right. no, Thomas lived his own fucking life. He became a Starfleet officer, had his own career, you know, like they're going to have to do something with hollow Elnor. Cause he's a person now, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I still think it'd be a better idea. If this is just a bunch of Rios, cause they made that clear that these totally. aren't really Rios. They're just simulations of, of him. And it'd still be really, I, I would have liked to seen the, you know, uh-huh. some of the rough and tumble Rios just going around like burly brawling. These, <laughs> These Borg soldiers. For sure. That would have been awesome. Anyway, a quick scene here. Picard leads Talon through the tunnels, but they take a detour because they run into more mercs. And then we get Seven's group making it to the transporter, uh, and they beam the mercs who are approaching them into the walls of Chateau Picard. Uh, The transporters didn't work on the Borg Queen, though. She has some kind of personal shielding. So Borg Queen is in Jurati's body fighting a holographic Elnor. It's all kinds of fucked up. Uh, Borg Queen wins, takes over the ship again, injuring and possibly at this point, I was wondering assimilating seven uh, in the process. Which ends up happening. No, I mean, yeah. How'd you how'd you feel about seven of nine and the Borg Queen sword fighting? I don't know. Is it any dumber than any other sword fight? Why? I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess this, that's this is the first contact problem because the, the, the plot resolution of, uh, of, uh, of first contact was essentially the Borg Queen, Picard, and Data wrestling in yeah. engineering. So that's, you know, uh, the, the, now that had this like big moment of, you know, Data's, uh, you know, uh, resistance finally. And there's a lot more, but like, you're right. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. There's something about these 24th century cybernetic warriors going toe to toe with bladed weapons. Like it's in some kind of medieval, medieval times, you know? <laughs> sure. I, I, sh- I feel like I should have a giant Turkey leg in my hand and a, and a flagon of a veil. It does always feel like a flashback, right? They've done this many times in Star Trek. I think of like Tasha Yar fighting in the, the pit in that one episode. I think of the Kirk African and planet. Spock pit- yes. Yes. I think of Kirk <laughs> yeah, and Spock uh-huh. pitted against each other. Bra, bra, yeah. That stuff. That was all like, ceremony. Like, or Elnor is like this ancient Romulan sect. They're like Jedi. Like their whole point is it's it's you know like not using these primitive weapons or this is just it does I feel like know, a Jedi man. using a blaster. I feel you. There, there's something wrong it's about the, it. Yeah. And the Borg Queen's got these tentacles that she can whip out and around, but she's just content to fight seven with a sword. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and then she does use the tentacles later. So, yeah. Nah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we go to big commercial break there. When we come back, what what the fuck is up with commercial breaks? 
am I? We, we talked about this. Did we have an email about this? Yeah, then then like Canada and Europe, they're actually broadcasting this, so they have commercials. Okay. And okay. I feel like every show puts commercials because they're always hoping for syndication. Yeah. You know, like they, they build the pauses in there just in case, you know, there's and a made with for TV Netflix version. announcing they're doing ads and shit. I mean, what? Netflix is going to have an ad supported service now. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Come, that, come that's like our, 2023, 24, somewhere Lord, in there. Lord, there's a service on the decline. Uh, I mean, they Literally, did it I think they lost. They're on their decline. That's the thing. I like, think they lost latest. half their stock value last week, right? They did, yeah. Um, and then in response to that, they announced, "Hey, we're going to be doing ad supported, and we're going to be cracking down on people sharing passwords." And and it's just like such, it's such a backwards way. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll talk about it somewhere else. This is not the place. So what anyway. happens? We let the peacock get uh, get uh, the uh, the office back. What? I, that was a big thing. It's like that. Uh, I feel like Netflix started having problems when NBC took back the office. Oh, oh, I thought it was like some pandemic going back to the office, not no. working remotely anymore. thing you were talking about I'm like, when was peacocks what? have to do with yeah. it? <laughs> Who there's, there's a peacock running paramount. What? Yeah. I subscribe to the conspiracy theory that uh, it's all peacocks, this whole COVID thing. Uh, yeah. You know, it's someone having a, an unlawful relationship with the peacock. No I mean, they'll work, they can work for less than $15 an hour. It's the peacock theory. They're willing. <laughs> it's either that or a zoo forum. So what do what they <laughs> choose? Take your choice. Uh, anyway, Borg Queen talks from smack about futility being the only truly universal concept among intelligent beings, which I, I think she's got a point. Mm. I, I could see some some intelligent beings out there that don't have love as a concept they're just based on procreation um and that's how they continue and there's a love idea doesn't come into it um but death is kind of the single unifying thing Mm. well aside from q right i mean the q probably understand futility as a concept and have Mm. a word for it but they're not that doesn't come about because they die which is mm. the Borg Queen's whole argument here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, to me, the speech is a little bit like if uh, all you got to hammer, everything looks like a nail. If all you do is say resistance is futile and then you steamroll over every species, then every species will seem like it's futile to you. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, when you introduce the concept of death, I think there is there is an inherent futility of fighting against death that means True. every species would understand it. That there was yeah. intelligent enough to would. Anyway, um, yeah, she says it's the only truly universal concept among intelligent beings while also easily thwarting Rafi's attempt to shoot her. And Borg Queen tries to kill Seven but can't stab her because Gerardi fed on a little bit of that dopamine and adrenaline from seeing her friends get hurt and took back some kind of control. How is this? So if adrenaline makes the Borg Queen stronger and her nanifications uh, uh, happen faster, how can... By what mechanism is Agnes using the same system to fight back? As she becomes more Borg, she's able to take advantage of the same systems that the Borg. I, I don't know, dude. It makes do nanites, no sense. Do the nanites have like uh, uh, Mario racing kart league technology where it's like, so, yeah. well, if one side gets too far ahead. Slingshot. The other starts getting blue shells and they start going faster. And, you know, it just. Yeah, yeah. must be to hit the queen of the blue shell here and she just doesn't know what to do yep bullet bill giant bullet bill comes through 
sweeping through the Borg Queen's brain. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, Gerardi uses the Borg Queen's memories of her species downfall as a tool to connect with her and try to convince her to change her entire species primary drive by offering people a choice about whether to become a Borg and join the collective or not, or celebrating the u- uniqueness of each member. And the Borg Queen finds that an intriguing idea. I do. Th- this is kind of cool because it's taking the concept yes. of like the, the the tyrant's dilemma of like as long as you rule by fear and force, you will always be in fear. There will always be something that puts an end to you because you're not thriving on cooperation and, and empathy and understanding and like true assimilation. Mm-hmm. You're you're so you'll never you'll never be secure, and it, it you know it might take a couple hundred years, it might take a thousand years, it might take even longer, but eventually. Unless you are perfect at running the tables, you will always, always, always meet an end. Um, I think that is kind of interesting. It's just a damn shame that it has to happen over a 30 second scene. Uh, and I, well, I, I feel and like the, the time wasted in the lead up to all of this is the more shameful thing. Like I look at this and, and the Borg Queen in this episode, the single line that I latch onto the most is, ah, finally a semblance of a point. And I, Right. I look at this and I compare it to old Star Trek. Star Trek would have gotten to this in 42 minutes, including a B plot with with that's what I'm LaForge trying to fuck somebody in a holodeck or Barkley yes. taking over the Enterprise. This show has wasted nine hours of my time now trying to get to this point, And it just isn't worth the squeeze on it. Yeah, it's like it's like, you know, uh, how many times we've we seen Picard like, you know, there's two warring sides like, oh, the years you're the drug addict planet and you're the dealer planet. And don't you fools, don't you see if you can just move beyond this primitive understanding of this, blah, 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 you can. Um, and this is this is Agnes's speech. It's like, don't you you fool, don't you yeah. understand the the tyrant's paradox? And if you did it this way and but you're right, like old Star Trek would have dealt with that in 42 minutes with time for a B and C plot. Yeah. Yeah, do we really need all this extra window dressing when that's not what Star Trek was ever about? I, I don't know. Yeah, and I yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the, I, I but I also don't know what. Like I said, that's just why I struggled in the beginning where I was talking about. I actually like this because this felt like old Star Trek. This right. particular part, this one scene, but sure. it is also half baked because, like, I needed them to flesh out. Like, what is what does that mean? That like, if the Borg embrace individuality. They're no longer a board collective, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they would. Th- that's why I say, like, the primary drive of their entire species and the organizational aspects of their species are all thrown into question here. Um, into yeah. chaos. Like, what does a what does a board cube look like now? Reminds me of that. You remember that plot where uh, Lore led a splinter faction of the Borg that had their like independence and freedom, and he was just kind of yeah. like their their leader. Um, I was like thinking that would be a cool idea, but what if instead of Lore you had someone that's inherently good? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they even fleshed that in the old series of like what how are those Borg? What was their society like that they had? You know, they still had the the I think the collective connection, but they were more individualistic and they had like their more emotional selves intact um i wish i'd watch that episode again but like i said there's there is some core elements of something cool here do you think they're sure. writing are they writing gerardi out of the this the the series it certainly seems like it yeah or well what they're doing is saying it's gerardi behind the mask right the mask that we saw in episode one like this pretty much guarantees it 
Yeah. But Girardi as Borg Queen is not going to be palling around with Picard in season three. No. Like, they're either going to have something where the Borg Queen literally spits out the human part of Girardi, like, you know, uh, unharmed after she's been Borg Queenified. Or I, I think Alice Pills is just getting written out of the series. It feels like to me. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame. I've liked her all along. Uh, they, they, I, she wanted out in this season, but they roped her in the pad. Been like, look, we're going to let you sing, girl. <laughs> we're going to give you a musical number. She's like, God damn it. You yeah. had me at singing. Yeah. And it makes sense, you know, bringing back all the old crew, Gerardi, Rafi, all these people seem like unnecessary baggage when you're bringing back the people that people that everyone really wanted to see. Oh, uh, this is at the beginning of the series. Wow. You might be right. Are they are they clearing the board? They might. Like seven, seven and Rafi are going to go off and be space lesbians together. They're going to be Rangers, Fender Rangers, or maybe they're going to serve in Starfleet together. Uh, maybe. Rios is going to stay in the past. Girardi's going to be Borg Queen. And yep. this is going to be Picard lonely. And he's just going to run with his old crew next season, which is all we wanted in the first place. Right. <laughs> this could have been season one and I would have been happy with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what exactly they do. Um, Borg Queen does heal seven here, but apparently there's a cost to saving her. Her Borg implants are back. It's the only way it could be done. And Gerardi and Borg Queen are now a new entity together, perhaps better. We'll see. It's weird because like this is like, you know, like, well, OK, you, you can only assimilate those people who have no other. You know, like 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 can build a universes of sevens of people that we recruit from derelict sh- sh- ships and the scraps of the society. But to me, it's like at best case scenarios, you've got like these like the vampire family from Twilight. It's like, you know, canonically that dad turned people vampires when they're going to die as humans anyway. They had no choice. But like the more you think about that doesn't make sense because that's an that's an ultimate coercive action. Like you're dead, man. You're about you're going to you're going to end existence right the fuck now or I can bite you and turn you into a vampire. What's that mean? We're going to live forever. You got the feet off of living things and you're going to think you're going to be damned and you're going to be angsty about it the whole time. (laughs) And you're going to always in the back of your mind wonder like if this is what I really wanted, you're going to fucking sparkle. You're going to have metal shit, shit shooting out of your eyebrows um, like this isn't a real choice. Like they're trying to dress it up like it is. But this is at best case. This is this is a this is Davy Jones starship, I guess, with uh, Will Turner, a, a good Davy Jones behind it. Um, it's not exactly a happy ending for these people. You know, they don't want the you know, when they set out in the starships. They don't want to be Borg citizens. Could, could you see it as giving hope to the hopeless? Is it like. Uh, something like that where when you have no other place to turn you voluntarily become borg i but it's a weird voluntary thing it's like uh you know like if uh the u.s army went around to cancer patients they had this miracle cancer cure and they're like okay uh we can cure you but you're gonna have to join the army for the rest of your life yeah and that life is gonna be forever is that voluntary (laughs) i i I don't know it feels sure it's a specific decision join us or die yeah, yeah, like it's just join us or die, which but, is the Borg's message already, right? <laughs> right, right. It's just like instead of people that are yeah. just overlies living a life, it's like we well, got you got nothing better. Like I don't know, it feels right. even more culty for some reason. Yeah, I feel you. I don't know, but any decision, I guess, is better than no decision at all. Uh, that's where we get to. So Picard and Talon are found by Sung again, this time in the atrium, but for some reason, he talks smack to Picard instead of immediately shooting him like he was trying to do just a scene ago this is the typical Bond villain bullshit 
uh, Picard tells Soong that he's about to create a future in which humanity is feared across the galaxy. Soong's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Because cause I'm going to be the one who's feared. Uh, I, it's going to be my doing. I don't know. Uh, so some of the stuff here makes sense. Um, like Soong's line about we have to create our own destiny to men like us. Love and fear are just a means to an end. Uh, that feels very much like how a tyrant thinks. Um, yeah. They don't much care for what people think of them. Well, and it's also like there's this is, I don't know, love versus feared. It's like there's also the consequences because Picard was certainly respected. But I think it's fair to say feared by a lot of people, especially in the first season or two before, you know, he mellowed out a little bit like uh, especially when it comes to. Yeah. The people who were not Starfleet officers. Um, But, you know, Picard wasn't also running a torture camp, you know, like if you're beloved by your people, but under, you know, secretly you're running an underground torture link. It's not. I don't know. It's, I, I don't. I don't want to sound ends justify the means, but like it's more to it than whether people love you or fear you. Mm-hmm. Your actions matter. How you do things are a, a bit too. Like the what's problem with the the Confederation isn't that they're feared, because the Federation is feared by the Romulans and the Kling uh, and well the Klingons before they joined the the thing and the Cardassians and all that because they're a threat to their way of existence, right? Mm-hmm. But and the, the Federation Borg, is because that, apparently they wipe out the Borg in every universe. It's so the, but the Federation is not portrayed as an evil force because right. they, you know, their, their, their core principles are something that we as humans see as good. I, this, this felt like, I don't know, like, man, you're, you're right. Like we talked about how this season, um, you know, you could tell these multi threads and you could have like essentially 10 episodes worth told across an entire season, but we're seeing the downside where there's like four different TNG speeches end of episode speeches jammed in this one fucking episode. Picard's got to get and They're all kind of shortchanged and, and, and half baked. Like Gerardi's thing sounds kind of cool, but you really think about it, there's some problems. Picard's speech sounds like his, his half ass morality dueling with Dr. Soon sounds kind of cool, but there's problems. They're just, yeah, they're trying to do too. They're trying to, they're trying to wrap up too much too soon. It feels like. Yeah. And they don't, because they're doing all the, you know, stuff that Star Trek does nowadays. Um, and sees its bread and butter, they don't have time to address the problems that you're talking about, right? And and mm-hmm. work their way through those by having intelligent, insightful conversations. Um, instead, they're shooting at each other and uh, holograms that fight and all this type of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, Soong's spoken enough and leaves Picard and Talon to be killed by his mercs, which is another classic Bond villain mistake. And then we go to Rios again in Talon's uh, apartment. He gets transporter working. He explains to Teresa that he can't stay here in the past with her and the kiss. And he teleports out right to where Picard is uh, and attacks the mercs. One of them drops a key as uh, loot when he dies. I think that's how that goes. <laughs> it's like out of Zelda. He drops you know, a couple of rupees it- on the ground. No, it came out of the door, but <laughs> It is funny that the watcher just lives in some LA apartment, right? Yeah. Like what, yeah. what is the what? What Which is I, like? I thought this it, was like a fucking bank vault. Like he tele, they teleported it, it, Rios the first time I saw it into a bank vault because this heavy ass metal door. But no, it's her apartment. Yeah, I, I feel like that she should be living in one of those holographic blinds. 
that futuristic people are always living yeah. amongst the primitive people in. Like, what is there, if her landlord comes in to change the furnace filter, what does he think about this transporter console right by the front door? I mean, I hopefully that's hidden behind the wall or something, but yeah. I'd, what if the building catches on fire and a firefighter's have to cut through the wall? <laughs> you know, it's like, there's yeah. problems. There's problems. Maybe you should be in like a starship. You're just orbiting Earth in a cloaking de- device right. watching. Eh. Yeah. Anyway, um, Rios heads to the ship as Picard flashes back to using the key and he finds his mother hanging limply from a noose in the atrium. She killed herself. Uh, Picard says uh, he let her out of the room where her dad had her locked and she killed herself that night. He thought he was saving her, but instead he damned her. And then uh, he destroyed the mural that they painted on the glass of the atrium. And I felt I felt like in both in both timelines, you know, I I get it. Look, Picard is a like I said, stoic guy. He doesn't mm-hmm. get super emotional all the time. I mean, look what it took to bring it out in first contact. But this is your moment, Picard. This is your moment, Patrick Stewart, to shed a tear. Let's see it. Nothing. Nothing from the kid. Nothing from old ass Picard. I felt like if you're ever gonna see Picard breakdown this is the time yeah and this is the third tng last act speech where they're talking about love can be a curse no it's a gift and you know him and not laris hug which i'm still waiting to see the resolution of this uh how the fuck there's going to clean this up and make the whole talon laris connection work Mm-hmm. Um, like, is this, uh, did the, like, uh, did, did, did Laris, um, ask you to take Picard on a spirit quest to find out he loved her all along just so they can, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's um, it's just, yeah, it's another one of these fucking speeches where the writers, you could tell felt very satisfied with themselves after the end of it. And I'm like, this is just incoherent nonsense. <laughs> Guess so. Uh, all right, Seven's not happy that she's been reborgified. Rafi tries to talk her through it by saying, eh, just stop. Just stop worrying about your Borg implants and you'd be so much better for it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure thing, Rafi. Uh, Gerardi and Borg Queen want to finish their deal um, and give uh, somebody gives them some new information about Renee and the timeline. Oh, oh, Borg Queen does. Um, right, because that was the deal. Uh, apparently one Renee must live the other must die then she takes off in her ship the poor queen that is leaving them stranded as best I can tell 400 years in the past no one mentions that whatsoever um it, here's so so a let's talk about the Rafi thing like just stop worrying about your Borg implants right just get over it get get over it already seven this is so stupid like every yeah. character at every moment of Rafi's entire life could have said this to her. Just get fucking over Elnor, you fucking amen. idiot. You'd be so right. much better for it. Come on, all you got to do is stop worrying about it. She's so right, and, and it's, it's, it's so stupid. It also doesn't directly affect what Seven's saying. Like I miss being ordinary. I miss being just a person that people could walk up to and treat. And and uh, Rafi says, "Well, no matter what, you were extraordinary either way." I'm like. You can't take your external view of someone and enforce it upon that person and make them okay with it. Right. You know, right. like if someone feels bad for being fat or being ugly or going bald and someone else comes up and be like, well, I don't see you as a fat, old, bald person. 
Oh, uh, thank Christ. Now, now the, the, the scales have been lifted from my eyes, brother. Right. Thank you for let. It just doesn't work. And like the show, like it's so, it's so stupid that they spend so much time talking about trauma and mental health and all that stuff. And, and in, in the fourth TNG speech of the episode, Rafi just says the seven. Yeah. Get over it. And look at it. You're looking at it the wrong way, sister. Here's how you should look at it. And like, yes, uh, someone coming to you and saying, well, I don't view that you that way doesn't change your perspective on how you view yourself. But also it doesn't change how other people view you. She's not going to get into fucking Starfleet because right. she just doesn't care about her Borg implants. They, those directly affect her life, whether she whether she chooses to believe that they're a hindrance or not. Right. Yeah. Like she's going to have people coming up to her in the street and saying, oh, my God. People like kids staring at her every time she walks down the street. It's you can't just say get over it and everything is okay. It reminds me like I've I've heard like different minorities talk about this like when they go and they talk about a negative experience they had with like a racist person or prejudiced person they tell it to their white friends or whoever's in the in group it doesn't have to be white people you could be a white person living in Japan and telling a Japanese sure. person you got you got you got a racist experience and the person's like oh no 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 that's not what they meant or oh that's not how like. It's almost like a, it's like this weird gaslighting, like negation. It's like, oh, I'm glad Rafi, you who love me and have been on adventures and know me, doesn't see me that way. But every right. other fucking citizen of Federation sees the Borg implants and they grab their children close. Yeah. And there or are they, they're, they're 20 voices billion hush. of them and one of you. Right. And it's uh, just, yeah, it's, it's written by a lot of people just don't just don't know. <laughs> and it's said by a character that should know better. Yeah, is the thing like I yeah. just get if over she, if Elnor's she, if death. She just, if she pulled out some rolling papers and put some snake leaf and said, you know what, Seven, here's this. It'll sort you out. That uh-huh. would at least been honest. But sure. being like, yes. oh, you know, no, you're just no matter what, you're going to be. You'll never not be extraordinary, Anna, because it's. Ah. Yeah, I hate it. I hated that line so much. Uh, anyway, I also hate that they don't even contemplate what letting the Borg Queen run off with her ship is all about, uh, like the consequences of that. Uh, here's here's my question. I think you could argue that maybe these two particular have already kind of like accepted their fate in the previous scene. Well, there's the next scene is the problem. Right. OK. Um, yeah. Where we meet back up with everybody. But uh, so l- let me ask you this. Um, one Renee must live. The other must die. Are they doing mm. some like shattered universe shit here? Or is this setting up the idea? Picard's brother is named Renee, right? Or the, his oh nephew? Yeah. Or, Are no, they setting up the think... idea that they're tying what happens here to the sacrifice of having his nephew burned to death in the Chateau Picard fire? I don't think because so. Because Renee but... is both a man's woman and uh, a man's sure. woman. A man's name and a woman's name, depending on how it's spelled. But they're both yeah. said exactly the same way. Right, right. That was my first thought is maybe they're tying that tragic event to this. Huh? I was because I I was trying to figure out this, too. And I thought it was like it's going to be a Bane kind of situation. No, brother. They expect to have two bodies in the capsule. We're like one version of Renee will succeed the mission. But like, what does that even work? I, I don't I don't. It seems like if the mission succeeds, so w- what that means is like you cannot fix your timeline. You can only fix a different timeline. 
Because okay. if the mission succeeds by both by both dying and living, I, I don't know. Now, if she said, I, I'd also I thought it was interesting if she'd said like if a, a Picard must live and Picard must die because that sets up maybe sure. Picard yeah. trying to sacrifice himself and maybe Q saves because like that sounds like we've got a mm-hmm. literal Deus Ex Machina in the wings. We got a literal God that could snap yeah. his fingers and be like, ha ha ha! Didn't you find this uh, scenario amusing, Picard? I, I, right? Because like, and there's only one episode left, man. Yeah, it's only one episode left to clean up this mess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what that line means. Um, but yeah, the, the final thing here is Picard wait, wait, wait. Arrived. I thought I yeah. thought you were just threading the. Okay, I'm sorry. Are, are you dealing with Picard escaping from soon? Because uh, we skipped over perhaps the dumbest thing in the fucking episode, which is after Picard thwarts the henchmen because Rios yeah, beams Rios back beams and saves in. them. Mm-hmm. He soon pulls a gun on them and says, ha, 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 I got this future watcher rifle. And then uh, Rio says it's oh. DNA encoded and it's going to explode. And soon, instead of throwing it at his adversaries, which would undoubtedly kill them, mm-hmm. they go wide in the room and he throws it like up equidistantly between everyone in the room. So it explodes harmlessly and allows him It's essentially like throwing a, a ninja smoke ball on the ground and he just disappears. Yes, he he does the Batman thing. Uh, I could have sworn that was in my notes. I must have missed it somewhere along the way. I just wanted because like it's just the visual. God, you, yeah. you guys are just not they're just listening and not watching. I can't describe how super artificial and constructed this whole situation was. I thought it would have been so much cooler if instead of having this like DNA coded ass pull thing that they do because I mm-hmm. that's not a thing in Star Trek, right? DNA coded weapons that explode if you're you, if the wrong it, person it, it uses them, it could be. Maybe the watcher does that. I don't. Yeah. Or, or in the you know ultra fascist uh, mm-hmm. Confederation universe, it is. Sure, mm-hmm. I can see that. But what would have been cooler, in my opinion, is to take this future weapon that Soong has never seen before. And, and Star Trek has a lot of weird weapon designs. This this phaser looks kind of strange, right? Yeah, and just like have one him, of those Baron T disruptor deals. Right, right. And have him accidentally shoot it backwards at himself. But they need because him to it's be so in weird. the next episode. God yeah. damn or, it. They probably do, the, yeah. The other thing I thought about is like if he pushes a button but he doesn't understand what it is and it like be it like watcher beams him out to like the watcher's apartment and okay. then it's like yeah. that escapes him. And also he's got an alien artifact and like, uh, yeah, I, the, but this is like literally the dumbest thing. <laughs> it is. It's going to turn into a grenade soon realizes it's going to be a grenade. And instead of throwing it at the people that are right in front of him and killing them all, he just throws it up in the air. Like yeah. it's his graduation cap. <laughs> anyway, the final scene here is Picard arriving where La Serena used to be and is brought up to speed about the two Renee's thing. And he refuses to accept that one must die and says, come on, we have work to do. And then heads off. Yeah, and Rafi's like, we traded seven for it. No, you didn't. The board queen just said, hey, it's cool if I take the ship in payment of saving your friend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, he traded Gerardi for it, right? No, they said traded seven. Seven's life. She was going to die. Like I said, there, there's this quid pro quo that they never, oh. at least I didn't think that they adequately explained in the show that like the board queen's going to be like, I'm going to save seven of nine. Gotcha. Or maybe I guess Gerard, maybe Gerardi made the deal with the queen and she just unilaterally as part of it. Like, ah, maybe that works, but mm-hmm. yeah, well, I mean, my, the only thing I could think of was God, why are they not worried that they can't get back? But, and Picard's there to put a brave face. We may have lost a friend, but we've gained ourselves. The f- what? 
Sure, dude. <laughs> You've been hitting the snake leaf, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's the episode. Anything yeah, further? Picard, well, just the, the, the two Renee message. Uh, Picard hears it and goes, I refuse to accept an outcome that's not yet occurred. So, like, I don't even know. Like, I, I'm trying to think of, like, how the two Renee theory will work out, how they're going to end up back on the bridge of the Stargazer, what is the I mean, clearly they're they they mask the identity of the Borg Queen so it can be Allison Pill. Uh Allison Pill is probably gonna get deborgified or she's gonna run off and lead the splinter or the, the new kinder gentler faction of the Borg. Uh they have to save and kill Renee. Uh they have to cure have some kind of resolution for Hugh's illness unless Next season is going to be Q and Picard hand uh, hand in hand walking about the galaxy having reunions, and 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 they have to do all this in one last episode of the show. That's so, a lot. That's okay. a lot of stuff to wrap up. It's a hell of a lot of stuff. I I have a question about Q in this universe. Is Q still immortal? He doesn't have his powers. Would Q age at a normal human? rate if just left in the 24th or 21st century. I don't century. know what that means. Is he actually, did he get converted to being a human or is he just a Q that's died? Cause like, again, he doesn't even know if he's dying. He just right. can't see past a certain point. Exactly. This is all like, like I said, di- this could be a Dr. Manhattan situation where as soon as the Borg queen comes back and unifies and fixes the timeline, then he's just bright as rain. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm wondering, like, I, I don't um, get it. Is is he going to have to hitch a ride back with Picard wherever Picard goes? Or once the timeline is fixed, Q just naturally gets his powers back, perhaps? I just hope when he gets his powers back, he shows up with a mariachi band. Yeah. A trumpet, cigars for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. can we have some fucking fun with Q before right? he goes? They've done basically nothing with him. Yeah. Which really sucks. Yeah, like it's he was the I, whole reason I, I, I cared to watch this season in the first place. Sure. And then they do nothing I, with him. And I certainly like John Delancey when he's in Dark God Loki version of Q where he's the trickster tempter. But I also really like him being fun and playful. And he hasn't done yes. any of that this season. Yeah, there, there was a hint of it when he first shows up. And then it's just all yeah. been a it's been few and far between. We haven't seen much of Q at all. Right. Let alone when we do see him, it's just like this. Yeah, grim, grim version. The show's of telling us he's a mentally ill version, of, even though he sounds like Q to me. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Anyway, I don't know. We'll uh, see what next episode brings. I'm sure they'll try their best to put a bow on this, but ooh, it's gonna yes. be a messy bow. I'm curious to see at what this state of the season, watchers and listeners, everybody, what what do you think is going to happen? What what is going to happen in this last episode is going to resolve the nine plot lines that are still unraveled in a 50 minute episode of television. You tell us Picard at baldmove.com. Hailing frequencies always open. Uh, do we, yeah, we got we got one week to go. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and suppose. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what is the final state of this, because that's going to tell us a little bit about maybe what to expect next season, too, because yeah. it's possible that they're. You know, they wrote and largely shot a lot of this all together. So it could be that this season two, they lied about it all being an anthology. It has nothing to do with each other. And the the next season is going to be tightly connected to this one or is going to deal with a lot of resolution of this stuff. And which 
I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's probably going to be a train wreck, uh, but it's going to have Michael Dorn in it and Gates McFadden. So at least there's that. Barbird. Yeah. But not Will Wheaton. Nope. <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah. That's the one line they won't cross. <laughs> <laughs> line must be drawn here. Uh, we don't want to bring the alt Wesley Crusher die, die, die days back. So no. Uh, Picard at ballmove.com. Tell us what you think. And that's going to do it for this week. Uh, here on the Picard Maneuver. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.